0: Recently, I had a family member transition and it always hits a little different when they're relatively young and around my age. I believe she was 42 and it sucks even more when you're unsure of their spiritual standing before they pass. I first met my cousin Karima at a family reunion we had in Memphis probably eight or nine years ago. And you would know how some of those functions can be. Sometimes you see a lot of people. And usually end up making false promises to keep in touch, but really never do. But with Karima, she was determined to keep in contact with her Memphis family. And I was one of the ones that connected with her and exchanged information with her. We kept in contact on occasions, mainly on social media. And everything seemed to be going fine, you know, from a distance, as far as I can tell. And about a year or so ago, she got married, I believe, and... From a distance, again, everything seemed cool. Then late last year, maybe around October, November time frame, got word that her mom passed and, you know, that that hit her pretty hard from, you know, from what I can tell uh, small communication and just posting you stuff and see you see on social media. And I reached out to her during that time just to let her know, you know, I was thinking about her and she was in my prayers. And four months later, I get another word that she suddenly passed. And I don't have all the details on how that happened, but I have my thoughts and assumptions. I said all that to highlight that all this stuff that I've been talking about on this podcast. And, you know, again, with this part two, with the tie, with tithing being essential or any other biblical principle, it's very important. Don't get me wrong. But the most important thing is to know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and form a personal relationship with him. And also that tomorrow is not promised. And the people and family we have in our circle, they should know where we stand spiritually in that regard. So my thoughts and prayers to my Williams Meyer side of the family, and especially to the immediate family and friends of my cousin, Karima Brown Trustman. exchange is a spiritual transaction not a physical one like we see regularly in a everyday business like a product to money exchange when exchanging with spiritual things dealing with god like in tithing it has more to do with our intent motive and execution than just making a simple transaction like we would in a store in a store they could care less how we feel or why we're buying it as long as we had the money. Our intent and motive matter to God, and we can only execute what he says when we're in the proper position to listen and receive it. To go a little further detail on what I said on the previous episode on the tithe, tithing is is essential, in regard to the windows of heaven and blessings that come from it, like in, in Malachi 3. The visions, instructions, opportunities, dreams, and our ideas. We're quick to associate blessings foremost with the end result, like with money, possession, or position. But too often we skip the journey and try to go straight to the destination. Also, I believe that comes with the distraction and frustration of comparing ourselves to others. Since somebody else got something one way, And that way seemed quick and easy. We want to have the same experience of our breakthrough or our quote unquote windows of heaven moment the same way. Like what if the blessing poured out so great that you won't have room enough to receive it was that idea you had last year of starting a small business or a podcast, but you shrugged it off soon as circumstances or life made it convenient for you to forget about it. What if it was that good opportunity to take that new position, but since you couldn't see the direct benefit, you never thought twice about it. And in that position would have linked you with certain people that could have gave you the resources, the encouragement, and the relationships to end up doing what you desire. Like Abram, when he willingly gave a tenth of all his spoils to Melchizedek, Sometime thereafter, the Lord spoke a word to him through a vision. Then after that, he gave instruction. Those three things, the word, the vision and instruction he received was Abraham's blessing being poured out so great that he wouldn't have room enough to receive it. He just needed to execute the instruction. And along the way, Abraham got impatient like most of us do when we think God is taking too long on his blessing and tried to do things under his own might. In Genesis 17, God told him he was going to have his own son so he can be his heir. But his wife, Sarah, at this point in time, wasn't able to have children. So she convinced Abraham to sleep with her servant maid so they could have kids through her. But see, that wasn't God's plan. That was their plan. Same thing happens with us when we heard what God told us to do. But after a certain amount of time, we start doing our own improvising when things don't meet our timeline. So when we do that, is it God's fault that those windows of heaven and blessings aren't manifesting? Or did we play a key role in not following and waiting on the last thing we heard him say? The great thing about all of this is grace And because of grace, we'll have another opportunity to execute the vision, the instruction, the dream and our idea we may have missed out on previously. Now, here comes the effort part. Just because we know now how God will communicate that blessing and open the windows of heaven doesn't mean we can just do anything. Meaning in order to know it's God, we need to create an environment conducive to hear him. First Peter five, starting with verse eight says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. That's first Peter five. That's in the new living. So we need to create an environment conducive to hear God because we have an enemy that is always trying to steal, kill and destroy. And that includes the word, the vision, the instruction, the opportunity or idea that comes from God. This is something I struggle with sometimes because I have a lot of things garnering for my attention nowadays. My wife, my four kids, work, bills, music, extracurricular activities, coaching, social media, sports, my favorite TV show series, you know, etc. And subconsciously, a lot of those things can drown out that still small voice inside. When I have no balance or intention to give God time outside of Sunday morning service, see, I'm a big music fan, and I listen to it all, with probably country being the exception. There are times when I need to cut out listening to a Young Dolph or a Juicy J, Gucci Mane, Project Pat, or the Baby because. That's not helping to create the environment I need to hear from God, being sensitive to that still small voice. This is one of the reasons why I love having alternative options in hip hop, like with CHH, you know, because it gives me my fix when I'm wanting to hear, you know, tempo rap music. Some things I think may be good ideas aren't God ideas. And I want to attach God to them like he's responsible. And that can happen often. When we're not in tune with or don't have the proper balance between God and our practical lifestyle, we'll spend a good portion of our time going through with things we have no business doing because we see what others are doing for likes and follows on social media, like folks being influenced by their favorite TV shows, men and women being too obsessed by the opposite sex, you know, that's pretty much the whole vibe with. Instagram and TikTok and, you know, all that. No, our attention and focus is not in a favorable place to hear God clearly and understand what it is he wants us to do. So then those windows of heavens and blessings that come freely from tithing become more trial and error because what we thought was an instruction, a vision or an idea from God was really just coming from us, our own selves or Satan manipulated what God said and we received it as truth. But we can hardly tell the difference because we have no balance between our practical life and time spent with God. The type of environment we put ourselves in is key and what we do with any word, vision or instruction we receive. I believe God put in his word the best way to approach this. In Habakkuk 2 verse 2, this is in, in the New King James. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that that he may run who reads it. This is that verse in the New Living. Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. In the Amplified, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and engrave it plainly on clay tablets so that the one who reads it will run in God's words translation. Then the Lord answered me. Write the vision. Make it make it clear on tablets so that anyone can read it quickly. The good news translation. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly on on tablets what I reveal to you so that it can be read at a glance. Put it in writing in the message version. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so it can be read on the run. So I think it's kind of funny how when God said, make it plain on tablets that we actually have tablets now, like the the iPads and all the other Android tablets or whatever else that we, you know, Kindles and stuff like that. You know, it's pretty much kind of the same thing now, you know. There is power and comfort in writing things down. And in this case, visions, instructions, opportunities, ideas, because when they're written down, then we can dissect and meditate what it is and better discern where the vision or instruction came from. Is it from God? Is it from me or the enemy? And I've been guilty of this, too. Like we try to commit too much to memory. And with someone that has a lot going on, the integrity of a vision, instruction or idea can be watered down if not written down prime example is the Bible itself. The The people that wrote it were inspired and prompted by God to either write down what they experienced or what God told them to do. So we can, so we now today can spend time looking, reading and meditating on those words that were written down. And if we happen to forget, what well, you know, forget about it. We got a Bible or a Bible app to go back in reference to it, you know, we don't have to commit it to memory. We can just go right back to the word and and read what it said. And if you read the Bible for any length of time and have a desire to comprehend it, you know, if you keep meditating and going over certain words in Scripture, they will come alive in inside of you and have a brand new revelation and meaning. So the chances that we mess up or misinterpret the vision, the instruction, or idea dramatically goes down when we take the time to write them down and go over them in our quiet time with God. Then we can be sure of how to proceed moving forward. One of my spiritual leaders, he has a way to discern whether it's God or or not, you know, when we hear a word or vision or instruction or idea. You know, this is not a formula to say these are or these things are absolute every single time but it's a good God to reference when you need to discern. I encourage you to write these down if possible. Number one, when God speaks, it will go against all reasons and rationales. Many times when things line up perfectly and make all the sense in the world intellectually, most people can reasonably understand it. That may not always be from God. I know for myself at times can try to use my intellect on overdrive and how this world system operates and squeeze God into the mix because I want to follow God. But I also don't want to go too far off from what everybody else is doing. So I won't look like a total outcast. But really, many people of the world would have called most of the people who follow God in the Bible an outcast. Number two. It will line up with the written word of God. Any word, vision, instruction or idea, it will line up with the written word of God. Like anything we get from God will always line up with the written word of God. It may not originally sound or look like it, but once you cross reference the word and the foundation, it will always line up. Number three, it will require faith. Faith, meaning having to believe it, even when the next step is not understood or even known. Again, if a vision, instruction or idea from God meets all your intellectual reasons and rationales, then that may not be coming from him. That may just be coming from you. Number four, it will require courage. Usually anything that requires courage, that means you're doing something most people wouldn't do or even dare to believe. Many times in the Bible, God tells people to fear not because He knows whatever it is He's promoting you not to fear has all the natural reasons and rationales in the world to be to get you discouraged or afraid. But just trust Him and keep going. If a word, vision, or instruction or idea doesn't require courage to process it, then that's pro- that may not be from God. Number five. There will be peace, even though that word, vision, instruction or idea defies all rationales and reasons and still requires faith and courage. But yet, for some reason, some odd reason, you still have confidence and a peace on the inside of you that you really can't complain. Like you can be going through all types of hell and have all types of hell going on around you, but you just know everything is going to be all right And just continue to be joyful and have a smile on your face regardless of what you experience. That's the peace that passes all understanding. That's Philippians 4, 7. That's the peace Abraham had when God gave him the word, vision and instruction, even though it was tough to process at all. He kept going regardless of it, regardless of any reasons or rationales. To sum all this up in regards to tithing being essential. Believers that oppose tithing do say we live under grace and we're no longer under the law to do that and that we should only give as we purpose in our heart, not reluctantly or under pressure. And that's fine. And I agree. However, what about second Corinthians eight? The majority of that chapter is encouraging to give sacrificially and generously. Verse seven in that chapter says this is Amplified. But just as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith in speech in knowledge and genuine concern and in your love for us, see that you excel in this gracious work of giving. Also question, how can you give sacrificially and generously and give less in this new covenant than the old one when in this new covenant we're in now? has more benefits and better promises. Hebrews 8, 6 in the Amplified says, But as it is, Christ has acquired a priestly ministry, which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry, for he is the mediator, arbitrator of a better covenant, uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rest on better promises. See, so yes, we're free to give how we purpose in our heart, but that shouldn't mean less. It should mean more because we're under a far superior priestly ministry. The reason I believe Paul and other authors of the New Testament don't mention tithing is because they taught beyond that amount. To give sacrificially and generously. That's the standard. 10% is understood, but they focus on going beyond the 10th. In this new covenant, giving sacrificially and generously shouldn't come out to be less than the old covenant believers gave because we have so much more to work with and so much more power. Just like in this new covenant, lifestyle wise, we have liberties and freedoms to do as we please because we're not under the law. But that doesn't mean we should sin more, it should mean we sin less. Because of all that was on the line with Jesus on the cross and Holy Spirit being revealed in to us, in us and to us. I want to read this in Romans five, starting with chapter Romans five, starting with verse 20. And this is in the new living. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And going into chapter six, verse one, well, then. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? See, and it's that's saying a lot saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't use living under grace and being under grace and being free from the law as an excuse to sin more. You know, that that was clearly stated in that. So, On the flip side, just as we shouldn't use the freedom we have to give as we decide in our own heart and not being under the law to tithe as an excuse to be selfish or to give less. If anything, it should mean we give more because of the advantages and opportunities we have being a part of this new covenant. 10% is the baseline, not the goal. Case in point athletes today play their professional sport longer. And their peak prime performance range lasts longer now than it did in previous eras. Like Tom Brady played quarterback at an elite level until he was 44 years old, which he just recently retired. LeBron James and Chris Paul are still playing at elite levels, even though they're pushing 40. Other athletes like Serena Williams, Carly Lloyd and Sue Bird. Why? Because they're living in a world with more information. Better medical science, better technology, better equipment, better training, etc. So as the knowledge and information and technology improves, so should the athlete, right? They shouldn't be weaker and less productive. They should be stronger and more efficient, more efficient. And they are today. So how can we as believers under this new priestly ministry, new covenant with Jesus do and give less than what the older Levitical priest ministry did. See, we have the ability to go to the next level, but it's not automatic. We have to choose to execute the information and knowledge that's available. When you sum all the tithes that the people gave back in the old covenant, it came up to be around 22 or 23 percent, you know, not just 10, which again is what makes this kind of funny because about this tie and tithing thing, because we're arguing over the minimum, which is ten percent, and not putting enough focus on the big picture, which is to be generous. If you made it this far, I appreciate you for hanging hanging in there with me uh, for this part two, and hopefully it was worth it. Um, and for those that I've I've been going back and forth with a couple of people respectfully uh, about the tithing thing. You know, it's, it's, it's no love lost. Again, like I said, let's start this part off. let start this episode off, man. Like, you know, we can bicker about all this stuff, uh, as we want, which I believe it is important. It is something to get into, uh, respect, respectfully and in love about. But you know what I'm saying? The main th- thing and the goal is to know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and have a personal relationship with Him. You know, have Holy Spirit inside of you and, you know, you having the ability to move as God you know, tells you to move. But don't forget to like this podcast wherever you're listening. Please like, rate, and leave a comment so others can be aware and join in. Until next time, y'all. Salute.